Hello, church. My name's Dana, and I will be guiding us through the reading this evening. Since starting John's Gospel last week, the passage reflects and invites us to imagine what life alongside Jesus was like then and what life, what life alongside Jesus might look like now. So please follow along as we read John chapter 1, and we'll be doing verses 19 to 51. And let's see what John the Baptist, who's our signpost, was pointing to when he said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's read together. Now this was, the, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. Who do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he looked, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and we brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophet also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. 
How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. My name is James, one of the pastors here. And uh, one of the jobs which I never, ever considered growing up was joining the army. Now, I'm not a pacifist. don't think I look too bad in the color green. But it never crossed my mind, and so much so that I never actually took the time to understand what a captain or a major or a lieutenant, all these words which I know, but I have no idea what they mean, to be honest. But if I was to join the army, I better learn them toot sweet if I'm to follow correctly. In John 1, that was just read out for us, there's a whole bunch of titles given to Jesus, Messiah, Son of Man, Christ, Prophet. In fact, no other chapter in the New Testament has more titles crammed into it than this one. And for some of us, they're very unfamiliar. They're sort of scratching your head. You sort of know of Jesus but all these things are sort of unfamiliar. Others of us, they're quite familiar. We know them, but we don't actually really know what they mean. We kind of gloss over them. Uh, sometimes I think we think when the New Testament writers were writing the Gospels or the letters, they had almost like a word bingo thing next to them, you know, sort of rolling and, oh, son of man, put that in there. You know? But it wasn't like that, right? When I went to Bible college, one of the helpful things I learned was that each writer chose a particular title of Jesus for a particular verse for a particular reason. Find it. So as we look in John 1, we need to know these different titles if we are to know who Jesus is. Because we need to know who Jesus is if we are to follow him rightly. Now John 1 is set over four days. So we're going to spend four days with Jesus getting to know him. Day one. Enter John the Baptist. Verse 19. Now this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. John the Baptist, who are you? True story, before this church was called Church by the Bridge, it was called St. John the Baptist Anglican. There's a stained glass window, which you can't see there, but I've taken a photo of it. That's what it looks like in the daytime. That's St. John the Baptist. I feel like he looks a bit guilty. Someone said, who's double parked the white Hyundai? He's sort of owning to that. But that's John the Baptist, right? A lot of questions around who John the Baptist was. He's baptizing people out in the Jordan. He's wearing camel skin, locusts, that kind of thing. So they went, who are you? So they asked a number of questions. He says flat out, I'm not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? No. Who are you? John is clear on who he's not. And he is not, first and foremost, the Messiah. He's our first title, Messiah. 
A Messiah is a long-awaited figure who is going to redeem, restore Israel. Now, it felt like a couple of months ago, every second person was running for US presidency. In the first century, there was a lot of people claiming to be the Messiah. Rome had overthrown Israel, and the anticipation was brewing. Just as a side note, verse 41, you see the word Christ. That's the, the Greek word for the word Messiah. It means the same thing. Christ is not Jesus' last name, like Yin or Smith or Rogers. No, no, no. It's a title. And a long-awaited figure who is going to redeem, restore Israel. And John is clear, this ain't me. But he is clear on who he is. Verse 23, John gets his job description from the book of Isaiah. I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. That John, his role is to point to another. He's the entree, the warm-up act, as it were, for the Messiah. On the screen is a picture of a lady called Ella Slack. Now, she's not just a queen fanatic. What she is is, uh, she loves the queen, but she's the stunt double to Her Majesty. Not that the queen does many stunts, right? But every time there's a procession or she sits in the House and Parliament, Ella, who's the same height as the queen, walks it before her. So they get the camera angles right. So everything is just perfect so that the queen could do it after her. Now, Ella knows she's not the queen, but she gets people ready to meet her. John the Baptist is not the Messiah, and he knows it. But he's getting people ready to meet him. That's day one. Let's go to day two. Day two is a very exciting day. Have a look, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's our second title. Notice he doesn't say, Look, the Messiah. No, no, look, the Lamb of God. He's channeling an Old Testament practice where when someone did a sin against God or another, a lamb was sacrificed in their place because sin always leads to death and someone had to pay that price and the lamb died instead of them. A life for a life. Now, where's this lamb sourced? It's not local produce, is it? No, 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 it's a lamb of God. See, in the Old Testament, they had to provide lamb after lamb after lamb, but this lamb was provided by God. And John is not pointing to a sheep. He's pointing to Jesus himself. Pointing to Jesus' ultimate death. That Jesus had come to die and to take away the sin of the world. See, no amount of education, medication, change of a location or denial can remove the sin that you have done. The only one who can remove the sin that you've done is the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. That is why day two is an exciting day. Day three, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When they saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, there he is again. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus said, 
saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Here's our third title, Rabbi or Teacher. Now, often this title gets overlooked more so by the Christian than the seeker. Because the Christian, we often say, you know, well, Jesus was more than a teacher, more than a teacher. And that's true, and we'll come to that, but he wasn't a teacher, an extraordinary one. I mean, I preached for about, oh, give us say 20, 30 minutes. When I was a high school teacher, I taught for about an hour or so. And why these limits? Because if I kept going on and on and on, you'll eventually say, shut up, Galea, I'm going home, right? It is hard to engage people for long periods of time. And yet here is Jesus teaching them all day. You know, every time we do Christianity Explored, which is a, a course where skeptics seek, anyone investigating who Jesus is, uh, there's one comment that always gets said in my experience. And it happened a couple of months ago when I was doing it, where people will say, gee, Jesus is a very good communicator. He's a good teacher. Uh, one lady, he said, can I ask James, was this, this was written 2,000 years ago. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, Jesus is saying stuff as if it was written yesterday, stuff that I really actually need to hear, that Jesus is a remarkable teacher, then and now. You know that question that Jesus asked the disciples? It's not, what do you want, as in like, what do you want? But it's more along the lines of, what do you want in life? Because Jesus has some things to say to you that you'll hear nowhere else but things that you truly need to know. And the question is, are you listening? Day four. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And he does. And then he finds his mate, Nathaniel, and he says to his mate, Nathaniel, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the son of Joseph. And I love Nathaniel's reaction. so honest. Nazareth? Oh, can anything good come from there? If you know me, you know I grew up in Rudy Hill, Mount Druitt, Western Sydney. And I remember doing a prac in a school in the inner west and I was talking to one of the teachers there who found out where I was from. And they looked at me and they said, Ah, oh, well done. Well done for climbing out of there and making something of yourself. Never have I wanted to punch someone in the face more than that moment. I tell you, if it wasn't for the grace of God and self-control, that prac would have ended that day, let me tell you that. But I didn't, right? Mount Druid, Rudy Hill, it's kind of like Nazareth. No one expects much. Most people find it hard to believe, not that Jesus existed, but the simplicity of Jesus. Where's he from? Nazareth, a manger, died on a cross? God himself, this? Because greatness doesn't do simple, or the mundane, or the poor, or the pathetic. Or does it? 
when Nathaniel meets Jesus, it changes his life. Jesus may be ordinary, but he's also extraordinary. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, we don't resonate with that statement, but gee, Nathanael did. It struck a chord with him because he said, How do you know me? How do you know me? See, Jesus knew something about Nathaniel, maybe something he was thinking, maybe a conversation he had somewhere under a fig tree, that Jesus knew him even before he'd met him. And the truth is, friends, that Jesus knows you more than, say, your spouse, your best friend, your mum, your dad. He knows you through and through. And that'll either comfort you or terrify you. When Nathaniel realizes who Jesus is, he says, verse 49, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And he's a rabbi, he's a teacher, yes, but he is far more than that. Now, here's another title, Son of God. Son of God means basically a king, king of Israel. And we often default to think, oh, it's got the word God in it. He must be saying he's God himself. Not necessarily. Son of God is a more kingly title, more human in some ways, because Adam, other kings, even an angel referred to as son of God. But it's what Jesus says at the end that is truly remarkable. Because he says to Nathaniel, you thought that was impressive, you ain't seen nothing yet. Verse 51, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is our final title and it's a cracker, right? Son of Man. Only Jesus declares himself to be the Son of Man. You hear it on his lips alone. And it's picking up Daniel 7 and it's the closest you'll ever find to Jesus saying he is God. He is fully man, fully God, and he bridges the gap between heaven and earth. I know it's confusing. Son of God, we think that's God. No, no, son of man is more a, son of God is a kingly human title. Son of man, that's the big one. That's why the religious leaders, every time you use it, lose their mind by what he's claiming. That he is the son of man. He closes the gap between heaven and earth. He spans the chasm between the eternal God and mortal humans such as us. Jesus himself is the Son of Man. These titles are not your average titles that we're familiar with, like Doctor or Premier or Sir or Mrs. These are far more cosmic, far more massive, far more life-changing than often we realize. But this chapter is not just only about getting to know who Jesus is and introducing to a whole bunch of titles that are picked up in the rest of the Gospel of John. But eight times in this chapter, the word follow is mentioned one way or another. 
And so it's getting you to think of, if this is who Jesus is, then what does it mean for me to follow him? So each day is a snippet of what being a follower of Jesus is like. So let's go back to day one and go through them quickly. Day one tells us that a follower of Jesus is humble. Let's go back to John the Baptist, who's still double-parked. When you realize that Jesus is the Messiah, that he has come to redeem his people, that you and I, in the end, need redeeming, that humbles you. You start to know your place. John the Baptist does because he says what verse 27, Jesus, the straps of whose sandals I'm not unworthy to untie. That Jesus is so glorious, so holy, so out of this world that John is saying, I'm not unworthy to even undo his shoelaces. Now, in those days, shoes were far more filthy than they are today, right? The equivalent is more like cleaning someone's toilet. I don't know if there's anyone in your world who don't feel worthy enough to clean their toilet. I suspect not. Maybe the queen, maybe a celebrity you have a crush on, I don't know. But John knows that Jesus is far better than British royalty or a famed celebrity. That he is God himself and he is the Messiah. And he is not worthy even to undo his shoelaces. And what is truly remarkable is by the end of the gospel, there is Jesus untying the shoelaces of his disciples and washing their feet. Follow of Jesus is marked by humility because it is following Jesus, the humble one. Day two. A follower of Jesus has faith. You notice John the Baptist's final words there in verse 34. What does he say? I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. I'm going to say something obvious here, right? You and I, no one in this room, in fact, has seen Jesus face to face. I think that's a safe statement to make. No one has seen him face to face. No one has even seen this, even the, the baptism of Jesus. It's a unique experience. In fact, 0.0001%, I could go on, percent of Christians, of followers, have not seen Jesus. We are in the majority, right? And yet... As we read John's testimony, as we read this account, we see through their eyes, we see what they saw, and by faith, we, living in 2020, can say, I too have seen. As we read these accounts, we can say, by faith, I see and testify that this is God's chosen one. So a follower has faith. Day three, a follower changes. Jesus, as we've seen, is a remarkable teacher. But unlike any other teacher, he has the authority to call you to change in all sorts of aspects of your life. You notice that incident where he says to Simon, hey, Simon, follow me. Your, now name, your name is now Peter. And it's not a negotiation there. He says, you are Peter. It's a command, it's a call. Now, this is not a common experience for a Christian, right? It's not when you become a Christian you get a name change, but it taps into something that Jesus has the authority to call you to change like no one else does. 
that Jesus has the authority to speak into your personal and private life and expose behavior that's not right. Show beliefs that are false that you've consumed. Call you to change in areas that you may not necessarily want to change in. He gives you a new identity. Disciple means to follow. So the question at the end of the day is, are you following Jesus or is Jesus following you? Let me put it another way. Is Jesus just a casual teacher in your life? Here one minute, gone the next. Or is he the teacher of your life? Where at the end of the day, push comes to shove, you go with what he wants, not what, what you want. Day four, final day. A disciple, a follower of Jesus, shares. I love those three words by Philip, come and see. When you get who Jesus is, it's a gift that you don't keep, you share. That's what Philip does. He finds Nathaniel and he tells him, come and see. He actively finds his friend, goes to him and says, hey, Nathaniel, come, come, come and see. Now, Nathaniel's a skeptic, right? Oh, come on, Nazareth, come on, mate. No, 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 come, come and see. Philip doesn't push back. He doesn't argue with him. No, no, no. He says, no, no, just come, just come and see. Disciples make disciples. Converts make new converts. It's always been the way. If you, like half of Sydney, go up to Byron Bay right now, you will come across celebrities. Every second person who I've been talked to who's been up to Byron Bay has found a Hemsworth or a Keith and Nicole or a Zac Efron. And what happens when you do see them? As you're eating your quinoa in the cafe, you're like, oh, look, there's Chris Hemsworth. Look, look, look. And you tell everyone around you, look, there's Chris Hemsworth. Look at the muscles. Look at the Tim, right? You just... You cannot help it but tell all around of who you've found. Jesus is far better than a celebrity. Here, one minute, gone next. Offers you far more than just a selfie. He is the Messiah, the one that restores everything broken in your world. He is the Lamb of God who takes every sin that you've done and forgives it. He is the teacher that has things to say that you truly need. He is the son of man who bridges the gap between us and God. And you, as a Christian, know him. You know him. You. And we get the joy and privilege of saying to those who do not know him, come, come and see. See who I've found. As Ed mentioned, on Tuesday night, Alpha is kicking off. And the Spirit may be prompting you right now to have someone in your mind for you to say those words, come and see. Who's the Nathaniel in your life? You know, friends, in the end, it doesn't matter if you never understood the ranks and the titles within the army. All you've missed out on is probably understanding a war movie or two. But it does matter when it comes to the titles of Jesus Christ. Because no one has a resume like this. Messiah, teacher, lamb of God, son of man. And all of us 
All of us need to know who he is if we are to follow him rightly. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we come to you now, Lord Jesus, knowing that often we so underestimate who you are. We thank you for your word and that it expands our minds and enlightens us to know who you truly are, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are the Messiah, you are the Lamb of God, you are the greatest teacher, that you are the Son of Man, Lord. We ask that we would be men and women who follow you, Lord Jesus, marked by humility, marked by faith, marked by change, and most of all, Lord, that we would share with all those who we know those beautiful words, come, come and see. Let's pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.